This is Dr. What? Dr. Where? Stories of Rural Medicine. It's the podcast exploring what it's like to further your training and practice medicine in regional Victoria. Obstetrics and gynaecology is a field which treats patients at some of the most important times in their lives. For the babies which these specialists deliver, it's the first time in their lives too. And delivering babies in the community they will grow up in is not just helpful to families who would otherwise have to travel to Melbourne, but a really important service these doctors provide to the community they live and work in. Dr. Sam Cresser is a second year doctor working in women's health at Bendigo Health. He was part of Monash University's extended rural cohort, meaning the bulk of his training took place in regional Victoria, where he's still practicing. From a medical student perspective, I think is um, is second to none. I think that the medical staff and nursing staff at Bendigo Health are exceptional, and the I suppose their attitude about medical students and um, and getting them involved in clinical care is um, is very proactive, which is really good. In terms of training as a doctor, I would sort of yeah, I would echo the same sentiments as for a medical student, but just sort of more so, I suppose, in a place. Regional hospitals are often renowned for having junior doctors and students take on a little bit more clinical responsibility, which has been something that I've really enjoyed um, and is one of the main reasons that I chose to um, train in Bendigo. It seems to be a universal message across the board that you get more of a hands-on experience in regional areas. How did that experience shape your transition from going to medical school to becoming a junior doctor? I think it it influences it positively in um, a really good way. In terms of becoming a doctor in that first sort of step can be quite a divide depending on the sort of training that you'd had as a medical student and particularly a final year medical student about your capabilities in sort of transitioning from that sort of top of tier medical student to a junior doctor, um, a first year junior doctor. So obviously there are, when you start working as a doctor, there's a community impression that doctors are able to do things like CPR, deliver babies, put in drips, do various clinical things that need to be done. And there's also there's also a degree of community perception that they're able to think through problems and, you know, divine diagnoses. Now in the actual world of medicine, nursing staff and medical, other medical personnel know that first year doctors, you know, are obviously quite junior and some of those abilities might not be as fine-tuned as others but there's certainly an expectation that when you start as a junior doctor you're able to review patients you're able to do technical procedures that are within your realm of expertise and those things sort of more or less across the board are expected if you have trained in an area where you have been doing those things for some time then as you can imagine making that transition into you know, being a student doing one for your sake of education and then transitioning into being the doctor that has to do it because that's their job, that transition is significantly easier, both from a technical aspect. So people like to talk about a hands-on sort of learning. They, most of that is referring to technical training that doctors are getting. So learning how to do, you know, insert cannulas and examine patients, deliver babies, those sorts of things both from that perspective but also a sort of more academic one in terms of thinking about patient diagnosis and planning treatment, all of those things in a place like Bendigo and I'm sure there are various ones in Victoria and and around Australia that better prepare you for that experience. What's the support been like from your colleagues in Bendigo and elsewhere when you find yourself in a situation which might stretch your capabilities and experience? 
that's something that a lot of doctors get quite stressed about, um, that idea of being in a situation unsupported, being required to do something that is beyond their skill set. That's something that keeps a lot of people probably up at night about the idea of various things that walk in and need and need fixing and your capabilities to fix them. So in, in Bendigo, it's always been quite supported. There are always more senior doctors around the hospital and the very the most senior doctors, the consultant uh, physicians and obstetricians and surgeons and emergency doctors are always, they've, I've always found them quite easygoing and more than happy to lend a hand and, you know, take over when situations require it, as they often do for junior doctors. In terms of colleagues around Victoria and, um, and and other places, I think that in 2020, that's a largely a, a, a common probably answer to that question, that things are feeling more supported. But, you know, if we talk to my colleagues that are sort of 10 years ahead of me in terms of their training, they'll all sort of have awful stories about senior doctors not really wanting to come in in the middle of the night to help and do things. And, you know, if they're on night shift, treading water until the sun rises to get themselves out of hot water. But by and large, I think in Bendigo, it's a very supported environment and one that's quite safe from a from a support perspective have you got any stories that you would be willing to share i can speak to a recent experience that i've had in obstetrics and gynecology which which might not be dissimilar from um, my city colleagues but i think it's been pretty good as a junior doctor so i'm doing i've been rostered for a six months rotation in um, obstetrics and gynecology and i've just been offered a, a six months extension on that which is excellent so i'll hope to be doing 12 months of ong this year it was about three or four weeks ago that as a junior doctor in my first rotation on a ong unit that I performed my first cesarean section on a lady with myself as a primary operator. So that was a really great experience to someone to do as, as junior as me to get that exposure and support from senior doctors to be able to do that. So that setting was a, you know, a, a lady who was planned to have a cesarean section from many weeks prior um, in a controlled environment with a very senior doctor there watching me and assisting me do the procedure. But nevertheless, I was given that opportunity to develop those skills and really um, have a go in a safe environment, which I really appreciated. In terms of my city colleagues, I think that it would be a rare thing for other junior doctors, even if they were very interested in doing obstetrics and gynecology, I think it would be very rare for other junior doctors in metropolitan places for doctors in their first rotation of obstetrics and gynecology to be given the opportunity to do a cesarean section. So I was very thankful for that. Have you got any advice for anyone looking at getting into obstetrics and gynecology? I think it's a great area. I think that obstetrics and gynecology is um, one of the last sort of real quite general subspecialties, which is a bit of an oxymoron, but quite a general subspecialty in a sense that obviously you're only dealing with women and in women's health, but uh, obstetrics and gynecology offers broad sort of medical interest. It offers quite procedural um, and technical sort of avenues for people to explore and become good at. And then obviously there's the entire surgical part of obstetrics and gynecological training in both um, the obstetrics part with cesarean sections and gynecology, which is a surgical specialty. So I think that one of the main reasons that I'm interested in is because of its breadth of options. I think in terms of people that are interested in pursuing obstetrics and gynecology, um, particularly in a regional area, much like everything in a regional area. Regional doctors enjoy working with 
medical students and junior doctors who are interested in the area. So I think the best advice that anybody can ever give anyone in looking to involve themselves in um, some sort of area of medical specialty is to just be interested and turn up and ask questions. And then if that interest is genuine, people can sense that and they're more than happy to involve you in things that might be a little bit beyond your responsibility or capability level in order to, you know, give you that exposure. And then, you know, if you continue to do that for quite a long time, you find yourself sort of getting, you know, quite down that line and getting a little bit ahead of the pack. And then before you know it, you're quite, you know, involved in an area of medical specialty and couldn't see yourself doing anything else. Regional health services like Bendigo Health are building their capabilities to treat more complex cases rather than transferring them to a tertiary hospital. Dr Nicola Ewan is the clinical unit head of obstetrics and gynaecology at Bendigo Health. She moved up to Bendigo as the hospital was being rebuilt, taking the opportunity that presented to grow the hospital's capabilities. Yeah, absolutely. It was probably the main motivation for coming is the opportunity not just to uh, work in a, a shiny new building which is always fun but also to take the unit from being what was a cottage hospital in the old building to really a tertiary referral centre that we've now become. How does that play into delivering obstetrics to the public there at Bendigo? So I think the unit's expanded enormously in the last four years particularly since the hospital moved. When I first got here we were doing probably about 1100 deliveries and we're now doing 50% more than that, and it's increasing by the year. So it, it certainly got significantly bigger, but along with that has grown our complexity with what we're able to look after, um, that we really are the tertiary referral centre for the region, and increasing our capability, our number of beds, our workforce is, is all part of that. What has that experience been like, working with other health services with potentially more complicated uh, cases? So we've certainly got the most complicated cases within our region but being available to support some of the smaller hospitals that's something that's very unique to regional work um having come from a very metro shiny towers of a of the royal women's hospital setting to coming to a regional center where we're seeing doctors in in towns working as gp obstetricians who have got an amazing skill set really being put under the pump with some of the obstetric stuff that they see and needing our support to really skill up and manage that, but also be able to back them up and receive the patient if needed. Um, I don't think some of the people that work Metro have got any idea what it's like to work regionally and rurally. One of the things I would say is I've got amazing admiration for all the healthcare workers that work outside of, of Metro Melbourne now. Definitely not a perspective I had coming from Melbourne. You know, what are some of the challenges that you face in your current role and sort of delivering obstetric services to Bendigo? It's much more challenging than I thought it was going to be. I thought I thought I knew it coming from Melbourne. The breadth of knowledge that you have to have. One of the benefits of working in Bendigo is being part of a big hospital, which enables us to have that regular contact with our colleagues to manage patients with very complicated conditions, be that cardiac conditions. Um, this morning I've seen someone who's got inflammatory bowel disease, so we're co-managing her with another unit having a fully functioning intensive care on site. Those are things that even some of the tertiary centres in Melbourne don't have available to them. Um, so having that opportunity to collaborate with colleagues and therefore care for more complex women is something I, I, I really enjoy. Probably the other aspect is that real drive to keep regional and rural women close to their homes and their support networks. And we're able to do that for them and to provide that local community support 
for some of these women, going to Melbourne is incredibly displacing from their families and causes its own degree of anxiety and conflict. And so being able to provide that top level care in Bendigo is fantastic. And there's really very little that we that we do need to refer to Melbourne now, that there is most stuff that can be managed on site. It's only a, an hour and a half to the tertiary care centres in Melbourne, but that can be a massive distance for families and, and for the uh, women that are being treated there as well. Yeah, especially when you consider something like obstetrics where you need weekly visits or even twice or three weekly visits, and then they need time around the delivery and then potentially visiting a, a baby that's in intensive care down there. It's incredibly fracturing for a family, particularly if there are other children at home or the mother's got other care needs. And so being able to have everyone together um, in one space here is, is fantastic. And I think we're, we're growing our ability to care for those very complex women um, over the last few years. And certainly the, the new hospitals allowed us to really extend ourselves there because we're very lucky. We're blessed to have this hospital. So we're certainly using it to the best of our ability. What's the support like from Melbourne and from the tertiary care centres when you find yourself with a patient or a case which might stretch the capabilities of Bendigo? We, we certainly have colleagues in Melbourne who we ring regularly. I'm very fortunate. It's easier for me. I've got a lot of connections there. But we do have very good referral and contact pathways to Melbourne and we can certainly ask them for help. But they're also supportive about us continuing to do what we do here. Um, and not not having to necessarily transfer the woman, but giving us that advice and support. We're lucky to have a statewide um, referral service around perinatal care as well. So that's something we can tap into just to get the advice of, of another practitioner really about what do we think we should do? Do we really need to transfer? Maybe we should try this. And just the ability to have that conversation can often give you the support to stay where you are. Definitely. And what's the training experience like in Bendigo for medical students and junior doctors looking at obstetrics and gynaecology? So the medical students get a great rotation through um, Monash School for Rural Health. They get to come onto the unit and experience the full breadth of obstetrics and gynaecology. They rotate through birth suite. They receive some babies. They work on the postnatal ward. They come to clinics. They go to theatre. There's very little that they're not exposed to. And then we've got a very clear pathway for them through junior doctors if they choose to foster their interest in obstetrics and gynaecology. There's lots of ways they can do that. Some people want to just get the experience in women's health so that they can be perhaps a GP with an interest in women's health, and that's we certainly support that. And then there's other junior doctors who want to take that a little bit further and potentially become a GP obstetrician in a rural setting. They need quite a range of skills to be able to do that. So we've got a one-year program that we can offer that will help them skill up to be able to do that, which includes delivering babies by cesarean section themselves. Um, so that's a big year and a steep learning curve, but everyone that's done that has found that a very rewarding program. And then, of course, we've got the the college training program for people who want to go on and become a RAMSCOG, an ONG college trainee, and then a consultant beyond that. And we're very lucky we've got the only provincial training position in Victoria's at Bendigo. Um, so that opportunity to train here for the bulk of your training is a great opportunity and we started that two years ago now and we're looking forward to taking regularly trainees which will hopefully stay ideally in Bendigo but at least in a regional area as a regional um, generalist. Was obstetrics and gynaecology always the plan for you? <laughs> yeah it was always the plan for me. I think obstetrics for a lot of us is something you either you either love or hate and um, if you fall in love with obstetrics it's very hard to walk away from it regardless of the lifestyle that it brings with it. There is a certain type of person who likes the adrenaline thrill of obstetrics, the mix of medicine and surgery, the breadth of conditions that we look after, 
the excitement of of the surgeries, the heart stopping incidents that happen on labour ward. There's there's such a breadth to how how much you can achieve in the career of ONG, and that's without going into gynaecology and the complexities of the surgery and minimally invasive surgery, which is a massive thing within gynaecology. Um, we've got gynaeoncology as a specialty and multiple others as well. Lots of ultrasound scanning. The breadth that within our specialty is enormous. So I, I fell in love with the obstetrics and it still remains a passion of mine. And I still enjoy doing labor ward 20 years down the track from when I started my training. And it, it doesn't, it certainly doesn't wear off, but it's an awesome career where you can go through several different pathways or, or weave your way through different elements that sit within our specialty through different stages of your life. So I, after I finished, I did quite a stint as, as high-risk obstetrics in Melbourne, um, doing multiple pregnancies was my area of interest. I did a research degree there and I, I worked in the multiple pregnancy clinic at the women's for about 10 years. And then I went and did a bit of private obstetrics. When I became a mum, I decided I wanted regular hours. So I became the director of the Women's Emergency Centre at the Royal Women's Hospital. Um, and then I went back a bit more into general obstetrics again. And then I've ended up here. So I've done quite a breadth of obstetric work and it still brings its challenges. Are there any stories from the course of your career that you would be willing to share? Ah. Uh, hundreds of stories I've been willing to share. Probably the ones that stick in my head are the ones where the opportunity to be part of the team is probably what sticks most in my head. It's the emergency deliveries in the middle of the night. And I can think of I can think of one case when I was at the women's emergency centre as the director there about a woman who came in um in, in early pregnancy but with some vague sort of abdominal pain and, and chest symptoms who then promptly collapsed with a massive pulmonary embolus. And the, the resuscitation that occurs with that is fantastic in terms of the teamwork involved and everything from giving retoplays in the emergency department and CPR and then rushing off to a vascular surgeon. is I, I don't think there's many specialties where we would interact to such a degree in, in relatively unconnected ways, but to achieve what, what was in the end a good outcome. And then, of course, the fact that we've always got two patients in obstetrics, there's always a baby there somewhere. And the complexities that come with that around the ethical and and considerations with that. So the conversations we have about, you know, mother says, I just want you to save my baby. And that's that's not what we're here for. We're here to look after the mother. Um, so there's there's lots of interesting conversations and, and journeys through my career into those conversations. But you never get tired of them and they, they never get old. It constantly brings up something new. Have you got any advice for anyone who's looking at getting into obstetrics and gynecology? Uh, if you have a passion for it, then you're the right person for obstetrics. It finds you, you don't find it. And if you love it, there will be a pathway for you to do obstetrics. I've watched so many people start with that spark of interest as a medical student and watch it snowball into something quite quite dramatic by the time they hit their uh, postgraduate training years. And then watching them get onto the program and develop that skill set and then become consultants is, it, it's an impressive journey to watch. But if you've got an interest, there will be a space in obstetrics for you. Um, we're not going to go out of business anytime soon. Being a part of the same community as your patients means that you might see them down the street or run into them at their place of work. This is particularly true if you're heading to smaller country towns. Dr. Warwick Pill is a specialist obstetrician and the unit head at Warrigal Hospital. He moved to Warrigal with his family for a year just to try out living in the country. That was five years ago, and he's been here ever since. So I was born in Melbourne, but grew up really in Albury, um, so a large country town. So 
and when I went to uni, I never really envisaged necessarily going back to a rural area. But I think it, it must be a must be a reason why I'm comfortable to stay here. Is that it's what I knew growing up. But certainly, it was not not necessarily my intention um, at uni to to practice rural medicine or to or to move back to the country. But I think it, it helps to have that background. What was the process like coming out here and yep. you know yep. getting in into practice? Yes. And, yeah. What was that yeah, like? Yeah. Sure. So when we first came, we came for a year trial to see if we liked it. And the things that were kind of most scary or challenging were uh, things that we might miss out on. So we lived in we lived in Northcote, you know, cafe capital of Melbourne, and so we could walk to any number of cafes and surrounded by lots of parks and you know, it's clo- relatively close to the city so we would take our well, our, our one son at that time to the zoo and the museum and all those kind of things. We thought, what are we going to do without ready access to all these cafes and parks and the zoo? And, but eventually we realised that while there's not 20 cafes, there's still a few good ones, you know, and really that's all you need. You only need one or two good cafes to kind of keep you going and and the beauty of Warrigal is that it's within striking distance of Melbourne so we can still go to the zoo go to the museum and so forth it's just then a big day trip as opposed to a, a quick train in and out but definitely the thing we're most worried about is what we might miss out on not being in the city but it turns out that really that's not something you need to worry about yeah and I guess the proof is that you're here five years on yeah 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 and, and I mean Warrigal certainly is becoming increasingly gentrified. The number of cafes since we've been here, I'm sure, must have doubled in that time. Yeah, so there's no shortage of coffee. Being regional, mm. it's a little hard to stay anonymous um, yes. in these sort of communities. Yeah. You know, you would see a lot of your patients yes. down the street. Yes. Or yep. So that can be a really enjoyable thing, you know, to see. Uh, especially after once they've had their babies, you know, to see them out with their with the their children. You know, you helped get into the world is really really exciting. It can be strange sometimes. I think more so for the patients than me. You know, being you know obstetrics and gynaecology can be quite kind of intimate at times, and so for people to see me kind of out and about, I think for them sometimes might be a bit uncomfortable. To me, it, it's fine. I guess the other potential downside is if there is a bad outcome and you were to see those people that could be very unpleasant thankfully touchwood um, i haven't had to do that but uh, but i can foresee that that would be a problem if and when that happened particularly with warrigal when you're driving out here on the freeway mm. you you see a lot of new housing estates there's yep. a growing population here yes i'd imagine the demand for you know, ONG services sure. is growing. Yes, absolutely. I mean, my understanding is that the population of this area is growing by about 10% per annum. So we have had to kind of almost cap the number of patients that we see just in terms of controlling our uh, resources. So yeah, it, it's only going to get bigger and bigger and bigger in future years for sure. No shortage of work. With that, there would be training opportunities and new positions and all that sort of stuff. Yep, yep. so definitely one of... The things that I spend a fair bit of time on is re- training and recruitment. Uh, so Warrigal's had a long history of uh, GP obstetric training, which we continue to do because regional rural medicine relies on a skilled GP workforce. So we've been training GP obstetricians, but also 
recruiting our own consultant staff, specialist staff here. So we don't have as many as we'd like. Um, and part of my role is to try and train and recruit those. And what's the training experience like for people who come out here? Yep, excellent. So I, I imagine like other areas of medicine, the opportunities that you get in the country uh, are much better than metro. You know, here we've only got a couple of registrars in a city-based hospital. You know, you've got so many fellows and senior registrar, junior registrar, resident, all vying for the same experience. Whereas here, um, we've only got you know one or two people vying for those training opportunities. So much, much better access, uh, particularly to procedural work in the country, in ONG, as I'm sure it is in other areas. Was ONG always the plan for you? Definitely not. <laughs> Definitely not. So uh, when I went to medical school, I really wanted to work in intensive care, be an intensivist. And that was what I always thought I would do through medical school. But then when I was a medical student, my obstetric gynecology term, I was involved in a number of kind of births and I thought, wow, this is really amazing. Uh, so it was kind of in my head, but I still thought I'd do intensive care. But then when I was in my resident years, I did uh, ICU and it wasn't the amazing experience that I probably thought it would be. I found that you were kind of managing numbers rather than managing patients. You know, it's a lot of a lot of manipulation of you know electrolytes and all this kind of stuff. And you know, the patients are often you know, intubated, so you're not kind of communicating with patients. You're managing managing kind of all these tests and numbers and so before I committed to ICU training I thought oh I should just give ONG a go as a job to see if I really like it because I don't want to be a 50 year old intensivist and think oh gee I should have done ONG so I did ONG as a job as a resident and I did find that I really liked it and I thought well this is telling me something so I applied to the training program and was fortunate enough to get on and did the first four years of my specialty training metro and as I said, the final years out here and here I am. The rural rotations mm. and all the training you can do in the regions yes. would be really helpful in exposing you to those different yep. specialties. Yep, yep. So as part, of, as part of the ONG training, you must do at least six months in a rural area. So I went to Wangaratta for my... Uh, six-month rural term and I really liked that experience because again I got to see the the way that you can act as a true generalist in the country so certainly that was in my head when I came here I thought well if this is like my experience in Wangaratta that's something that I would really like so yeah so that you're right that early exposure in my training certainly helped because I because I guess I knew what I was in for what does the future look like for Warrigal mm. in terms of ONG and sure. you know perhaps more broadly? So currently we've got 900 births per annum at this hospital. Uh, we're constrained physically by the current kind of infrastructure here. Our hope uh, is that we'll have a new hospital of some kind in, well, certainly I hope within the next decade. Uh, we then probably look to increase our birth numbers to more like 1,500. So, so, the, so the workload will kind of double over the next Decade currently, we've got uh, two full-time consultants and around three part-time consultants. I think the gold standard here would be to have more like seven consultants on the staff here. So again, so I guess the workforce, we would be hoping to increase by 50 to 100% over the next decade. What's the post-fellow training like out here? 
the distance can be a little difficult sure, to manage sometimes. Sure, yep. So one of the most difficult things kind of in, I imagine, all areas of medicine is making that step from training to being a consultant. So in the early years of consultancy, you do definitely need support. Uh, here, we've got a couple of external senior training mentors that come here a few times a year to kind of counsel us, advise us, mentor us. Uh, we operate with them as kind of more senior surgeons to make sure that we are continuing to develop our skills as kind of younger consultants. Other opportunities would be to go into the city to operate um, sometimes there. So some of us um, will go a couple of times a year to a metro hospital to operate in that setting just to kind of progress our skills. Is there any advice that you would have for someone that's looking at getting into ONG, perhaps getting out to rural practice? Sure. So I guess for people that are interested in specialising in ONG, I'd say it's in getting increasingly competitive to get onto the training program. Do as well as you can at medical school. Try and forge some relationships with some obstetrics and gynaecology people. Uh, try and get involved with some research early on if you can in ONG. That will help your application to the training program. So it would be my advice for anyone, ONG, either retro or, or rural, uh, in terms of advice for anyone interested in rural practice, I think don't be afraid of practicing rurally. You're not really going to miss out on anything by coming rurally. In fact, you'll get to have a more enriched experience rurally compared to Metro because of the diversity of practice that you'll get to do. And I suppose there'd be a, a big demand for doctors here as well. Yeah, so I, I think that that's true across all areas of medicine at Warrigal, but it's but certainly in Gippsland, the greater Gippsland area um, certainly has a, an ongoing and increasing need for doctors of all kinds. Thanks to our guests for taking the time to discuss their work and thank you for listening. You can find out more about the study and training opportunities across a wide range of medicine specialties in regional Victoria by visiting monash.edu forward slash medicine forward slash SRH. This episode was part of a series of conversations with doctors in regional Victoria. There's more episodes available on your podcast app of choice. And if you're enjoying the series so far, give us a five-star rating too. It helps us reach more people looking at a career in rural medicine. The Northwest Victoria and Gippsland Regional Training Hubs have commissioned this podcast to help medical students and junior doctors learn more about training and practicing medicine in regional Australia. There are hubs all across the country. To find out where your nearest regional training hub is, visit the link in the episode show notes or just search regional training hubs. And finally, this podcast was brought to you by Monash Rural Health, presented by Patrick Laverick, that's me, and it was made possible by funding from the Rural Health Multidisciplinary Training Program at the Commonwealth Department of Health.